0: Well, For those of you who've been here the last few weeks, you know we have been in a study of our unlikely heroes. So, the first week we talked about dads and how that's kind of the picture that we first get of a heroic act is in our fathers. And then we pointed straight to our heavenly father, who is the true father, right? And then we talked last week about Daniel. So, this week, just like last week, I'm going to read a little tidbit. And yes, I purposefully don't give you guys too much information. But I want you to try to guess who this next person is. Okay, there is a tagline in here that should give this one away. So, here we are. This unlikely hero went from being one of the most despised in his town to being what God called a mighty warrior. Dead giveaway. Anybody? The angel of the Lord says, O oh, mighty warrior, Gideon. You guys remember the story of Gideon? Two, we're gonna talk about this morning. How unlikely of a hero was Gideon. I mean, think about this story. God tells him first what's one of the first things that God tells Gideon to do? Destroy the altar to Baal, right? What is that going to do? That upsets everyone who worships that God, right? So he literally goes from being despised because everybody was complaining to his father about what his son did to eventually, by the end of the book, being something great. And we're going to learn about that today. The book of Judges reveals a repeated pattern in the history of Israel. Anybody know what that pattern is? Backsliding, yeah, that's, that's exactly it, really. Life in Israel gets really bad, right? In fact, the only time the Israelites turn to God is when what? Things are bad. If you look through the entire book of Judges, the only time they're actually faithful and that they turn to God is when what? They're like, Lord, we need you. Things are horrible. Guess what, Guys. Where are we right now? Do things look bright and great? No, as a nation, they look kind of glim as, a, as not just a nation, but a world, right? That should stir our hearts and let us know God has something in store, right? We know that something is on the horizon because we need him. Fortunately, that doesn't happen anymore, Right? We don't act like we only need God when we need him, right? We're so much better than Israel. No, <laughs> Honestly, though, it's human nature. That is our human nature. To literally only realize the things that we need when they're gone. Have you guys ever had parents think about when your kids leave? There were so many times where we think to ourselves, man, we should have played with them more, we should have done more to them, we should have raised them differently, and all of those hit us all at one time when? When they go off to college or when they go into the military or when they are gone, we're like, (sighs) there are so many times in our lives where the only time we see God is when we Need him. We turn to God when we have nowhere else to turn. But here is the heartbeat of God. The Lord does not turn his back on us. So even when we turn our back on him, if we return to him, he's there for us. Amen? Guys, listen, there are so many times I can think of in my life where I just couldn't see or feel God or things were just off. It seemed different. But when I came back and I renewed in God, I found out he had never left me that entire time. In fact, he's the reason I was able to make it through and come back to him. That's the point. That's the point. God never leaves us. He's always there. That's the message in the book of Judges. Judges is one of those books where if you really don't understand some of the background and the history, you just kind of read through and you're like, I didn't get a lot from that book because it just tells stories mostly of the unfaithful times of Israel, right? If, if, if there was an unfaithful time, they get like four pages. If they were faithful, you get like a paragraph, <laughs> right? That, that's the book of Judges as a whole, <clears throat> Maybe here's a way of saying it. (sighs) Anything that makes us rely upon God more completely is a good thing, right? Now this is going to be hard for some of us to wrap our minds around, but stick with me. But it's always the bad things that make us rely on God. So maybe the bad things can become good things. That's hard to really get your mind around, is it? When I thought of this, I wrote it, and then I was like, nah. (laughs) Like, erase it, and then write it back down, and I'm like, is that really? Listen, guys, calamities and disasters and the oppression that the Israelites experienced they're all like the trials in our lives. Those bad things become good things if we respond to them the right way and return to the Lord in a greater dependence, faith, and obedience. You hear me? The key is not the calamity and the disaster. That's not what we're focusing on. But what we're focusing on is the return in dependence, faith, And obedience. The issue then is never our circumstances. Do you guys see that? It's not. That's where we get stuck, right? We get stuck in our circumstances. We get stuck in how we feel. We get stuck in how the world looks. We get stuck in Corona, right? (laughs) Or (laughs) COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. But really, it's always our response in, listen, in those circumstances. How we respond right now will shape the next generation. You hear me, church? How we, the church, respond right now will shape the next generation. You say, Pastor, how do I know that? Because I was shaped and molded by the way that saints of God responded in my lifetime. Coming up, I can think back to several mentors, people, just people. Man, <laughs> we had a little old lady. I I think she was, I feel like she was ninety when. I first started going to the church, and I feel like she was still 90 when <laughs> I stopped going. Because she was this little old lady, and she, you, you could tell that she hurt when she came into Sunday school. But I tell you what, worship started, and the presence of God hit her, and she would do a Jericho march all around our congregation just in celebration of who God is. Even in pain, even in her circumstances, she praised God through it all. What is missing? What is missing? So often we let circumstance dictate our response to God. Instead, God is still God. God is here. He is in the situations of your life. Even if somebody just got a bad report, even if somebody just lost somebody in their life, even if coronavirus doesn't go away, listen, guys, God is here, and he is alive and active, and he wants people to come to him now, not tomorrow. God's desire is to reach people through the circumstance, no matter the circumstance. If the byproduct of those circumstances is a deeper held faith and a more willful obedience to God, do we dare say thank you, God, for some of the bad things that become good things in our lives? I want to tell you guys a story I don't know that I've ever told here before. I might have. I've told so many (laughs) over the years. But did you guys know the first time I went to college, it was on 100% full ride? They paid for my college. Now, it wasn't a big, like, uh, what do they call the bigger universities? Uh, It wasn't an Ivy League university. It was a community college. Who had seen a kid inquire, win a bunch of awards in the state, and they said, we will pay your full ride to come and get your education with us. But they gave me a full ride. They would have paid for my books, my classes, everything. So what did Justin do? Justin got a girlfriend. She already knows what happened. She's like, oh, no, he didn't. He got a girlfriend. Sharon's like, "No. that's what happened. I got a girlfriend. We stayed out late. I stopped coming in for my 7:25 class a few times, right? I miss some exams. I missed things. Bad things happen. Never should have been with that girl in the first place. You know the only reason I ended up going to Bible college? Because I lost my full ride at community college. I want you guys to hear this this morning. Because God took something, my stupidity and everything else aside, okay? God took a bad, something that really, at the time, everybody wanted to kill me for losing that scholarship, right? My parents were so disappointed. It looked like everything was crumbling down in life. Everything was falling apart. Justin, you're a dummy. But God opened up another door. I went to Nebraska. I served as an associate pastor for a year. And then I realized I didn't really know everything that I thought I knew. And so I was like, okay, God, you finally got me to the point. I'm going to go learn and soak it up for a while in your word. I went to Central Bible College and the rest is history. Do you see the point this morning? Guys, I know things sometimes look so bleak. All you got to do right now is look at social media and see everybody fighting, and it's just like despair sinks into our hearts, right? But listen, we have the key to all of that despair, As much as they are posting stuff all over social media about the negative stuff and the situations that are coming, we need to be posting about our hope, our future, our faith in Jesus Christ. Right now is an awesome opportunity that people need that hope. They need to see that there is something else to fix our minds and our hearts on, and that's God. He's what gets us through. Can you imagine trying to go through all of this without God? I'd be complaining on the internet too, right? (laughs) I'd be thinking, oh man, it's horrible. It's awful. I'm going to die and go to hell. That's horrible and awful, isn't it? Why do you think people are so upset? Because they don't have that missing piece. They don't have that hope. They don't have that future. They don't have that something to pull them through. But church, you do. So don't get stuck in the chaos. Don't get stuck in the stuff. Instead, pull yourself up and realize that God is here right now with us. He is right there with us. I hope you can look back at your life and see the bad times that God brought you through for his glory and call them good. Because I can tell you right now, Gideon, this is what happened. I want you to look with me at Judges chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that that? Why are we ending on a that? Belonged to Joash the average Abiz- My lips are dry. Abizrite. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon he said, the Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. What? You ever read the story of Gideon? Gideon's not a mighty warrior. He's a scaredy cat, right? When this was written, he was a farmer and a scaredy cat. So why does the angel of the Lord show up and say something like, the Lord is with you? Why doesn't he say, the Lord is with you, industrious farmer? That's what he was. (laughs) But no, he calls out who he is in God. He speaks these words of affirmation. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So God called Gideon and the testing starts immediately. Literally from the moment that God calls Gideon and tells him what he's to do, the testing starts. How many people were happy with Gideon after the altar was destroyed? You guys read the story? Judges chapter six? They were happy, right? No, the whole town wanted him out. They said, get out. You need to get your son out of town for his life, for his sake. Because people are going to go after him for what he just did. I think sometimes we want to wait until we're ready for God to use us. But if we do, listen, will you ever be ready? If you waited until God... Until you felt God was ready to use you, would you ever be ready? I think of Samuel. God called to Samuel, middle of the night, right? What did Samuel do? Yes, Lord, I'm ready. Let's go. Tell me what you want. No, he was like, Eli, did you call me? <laughs> He's like, no. What are you talking about, kid? Go back to bed. Right? Again, it happens. And he's like, huh. Something's going on. Try this. Here I am, Lord. Speak. Samuel's calling leads to what? A guy we like to call the king in the pathway to Christ and David, right? Man after God's own heart. As God begins to call you to serve him, don't be surprised if the Lord tests you. Because the testing process is then what prepares you for the great moment of ministry that God has for you. As we're talking about the life of David, how many times, listen, was David called when he was an an older guy, when he was an adult? No, he was told when he was a kid, a little runt, in fact, we sing about it, right? A shepherd boy. That's when he was called, and he was told what his future would look like. Have you guys ever thought about that? What it would be like to be in his shoes? Told that you're going to be the king when you're a kid? Raised underneath another king that, by the way, is not that nice to you at all. In fact, later on, he tries to kill you several times. Does that sound like David went through some testing? Some persevering? Some times in his life where he had to, listen to this, had to trust in God. If you never had to trust in God, how would you ever learn what it means to trust in God? That is the point of testing. And people are like, well, God doesn't test you. Yes, he does. Why does he test you? He allows circumstances to happen in your life for this reason so that you can learn and grow in Christ. If there's no testing, if there's no chaos, if there's no craziness happening that God can bring you through, there are things you will never learn. Scripture says it this way. Count it all blessing when you are persecuted and despised in my name. Why does he say it that way? Because you're going to be persecuted and despised in his name. If you're faithful in Christ, the bad things don't just go away. In fact, for a while, it seems like it gets worse because he's trying to help us grow in him. God needs to get us where we need to be so that he can use us for those moments that he created us for. I think sometimes we look around and we're a little discouraged that we don't see a hundred people in here. I think right now, COVID-19 has given us all a, a gut shot. <laughs> yes. If we're honest, none of us have ever gone through this before, Right? Have any of you guys faced anything like this before? I want us to understand something. As big as all of this seems, God is here. God is moving. God is doing his purpose. And listen, if we're faithful in the little things he asks now, he's preparing us for what he has in the future. Don't allow the circumstances to be the things that shape your mind and control you. Have you ever heard people who just start, they get like stuck in negativity? You may know people like that. They just get stuck in negative things. What do they always say when they talk to you? Do they say positive things? No, it's negative. Why? Because they're stuck. They're stuck in a moment in time. But listen, that is focusing on circumstances. If you focus on circumstances, you can't help but get trapped in negativity. Because guess what? We live in a negative world that has negative circumstances, whether it's financial, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's somebody dying, whether it's somebody losing a job, something is going to happen in your life to derail the whole thing if you focus on circumstances. But if you can see through that and you can say, God is really trying to grow me right now because I'm in a moment of huge circumstance. God must have something big on the other side. And we can actually fix our eyes on that hope and that future. Then guess what? Mighty warrior, God is ready to use you. Because you can see God despite the circumstance. You can see past all the chaos and you can say, God, I see the other side of the mountain. God, I can see what's going to happen. Guys, I still believe in my heart that we are going to see people give their lives to Christ right here in this building. But you know what? That's not what I pray for. I pray for God, whether it's in this building or whether it's at my job or God, whether it is somebody else talking to their neighbor. Lord, use us to reach this generation for your glory. Church together, let's set our eyes on God and his future and not on the other stuff, the chaos. COVID-19 is not the biggest thing you should be thinking about right now in God, or in God, in your life. What God has for you and us and his purpose right now should be ringing in our ears. I know I'm fired up. I'm excited that God has people's hearts right now and their minds ready to receive. They're ready to hear God, guys. All we got to do is allow God to drop that nugget into their heart at the right time. And I'm telling you, most of us in this room right now have a neighbor, have a coworker, have somebody needing to fill that void of God right now. And they're just waiting for us to say, we're going to start small groups. Here in August, why don't you come hang out with me at my house? Let's learn together. Let's talk together. And they may say, "Well, I'm going to see it differently than you. You may not want me there. I'm going to cause problems." Cool. I like to talk about things, right? I see things different than you. Cool. Let's talk about it. Listen, guys, I didn't come to God blind. I asked all kinds of questions. Did you guys ask questions when you were coming to God, right? We understand that there's things that happen in our lives and we're like, we can't figure out the answer to this. So I'm not going to go to that church. I'm not going to connect to that God until he answers, why did he take this person from me? Or Until he answers, why do, why are people okay with abortion? Or, I, I don't know. Whatever the situation is, I have talked to so many things that one thing is the thing that's stuck in their head and they just can't get past it. A small group setting is the greatest way to reach those people. They can ask the question, and listen, as a small group leader, you may say, I don't know, but let's find the answer together. That is one of the greatest responses you can ever give somebody. I don't know the answer, but let's find it. And then, man, find it. Figure it out. There are so many things. Guys, I found answers in movies that I never knew I, I even wanted answers to. You know, that that's funny, isn't it? You find answers in movies. But I have told you guys before, I watched this movie, uh, what is it called? The, where Jesus is at a at a at a restaurant along the way, and the road's getting washed out. You guys know what I'm talking about. What's the name of that movie? It's a Christian movie, but it's something to do with a diner. And uh, anyways, from that movie, there were some of the best like theological answers I had ever heard on creation. When I heard that, and to find out that that guy was a pastor and that that's the reason that movie was written, I was just like, oh man, I soaked it up. Here I am, somebody who has gone through Bible college, who has studied the Word his entire life, who has tried to figure things out, and yet there were still some deep theological things that God needed to reaffirm and firm up in my life. And he dropped that nugget at that moment from a movie. Guys, it doesn't always have to be a huge thing. I have no idea where I am in my notes, so give me a second. (laughs) I can identify with Gideon. In this moment when God spoke mighty warrior to him and told him that he needed to destroy this idol, He was fearful. I can relate to that. I can remember the first time that my youth pastor said, Hey, you're preaching next week. Say, I don't relate to that fear. Okay, Miguel, you're preaching. (laughs) See, it would work, wouldn't it? All of a sudden, he'd be like, What'd you say? Right? It's where I was. So this is a guy who saw me pummel a guy on the basketball court when I first came into this youth group. This is a guy who once stole my hat just so I would get upset about it and I would show my temper. And he got what he asked for. But listen, this is a guy who God used to shape and mold and change somebody's life. I can relate to Gideon. There are moments in my life where I've been fearful and afraid to take the step that God asked me to do. What are people going to think? We have that thought. What are people going to do? For Gideon, it's scary stuff. God asked him to tear down the altars of Baal. But Gideon had the courage to do it He just wasn't quite ready to take the stand during the daytime, (laughs) right? You guys read the story of Gideon. So he did God's bidding in the cover of night. So God tells him to tear down this altar and he's like, well, God, I'm not going to do it while everybody's going there and they can see me do it. He waits and he does it in the dead of night. Some of you might not be in the place right now where you have the courage to step out in faith in the daytime. Listen to me. That's okay. In fact, it's not uncommon to start there. When does Nehemiah circle the wall at Jericho? At night. When does Nicodemus come to Jesus? Under the cover of night. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were fearful of affiliation with Christ. So they would come to the renegade teacher at night. Be encouraged. If you're afraid, you're normal. Okay? God takes us and starts us where we are. Gideon was afraid. He only had enough courage to do God's will by night at the beginning of his faith journey with God. But I believe the Lord honored that simple act of obedience and gave his mighty warrior greater grace to lead Israel to victory. Listen, if Gideon had never had the altar moment, if Gideon had never had that moment where God built his faith and grace in Gideon through that moment, would Gideon have ever led Israel into battle? I don't believe it ever would have happened. Because it was based on the fact that Gideon was willing to take a step even though he wasn't sure, even though he was afraid, even though he was fearful, he took that step. God isn't necessarily looking for courageous people. He's looking for obedient people. He wants us to obey him in the little things. And listen, the more we obey in the little things, the more courage he builds up, the more faith is what we call it in Scripture. The more faith he builds inside of you to do courageous acts. I can think back to when I was coming up in school. Oh, I can't remember what it was called now, the school. But there was a shooting, and all the reports were about this girl who would not deny God... Columbine you guys remember Columbine she would not deny God even though it meant her life How do you get there? How do you get to where you can make that courageous act in that courageous moment? Do you think that was the first courageous thing she did in her life? That was the first act that she did in life for God? No, it started with something simple. I guarantee God just asked for obedience She walked it out. God grew that measure of faith in her life, began to build on it, so that in that moment, he could speak and give that person one last opportunity to know who God was. That's what God was trying to do through that girl to show that person that was doing that, hey, I'm here in this moment right now. You're going to have to decide to pull that trigger knowing I'm here. Big moments don't happen because of a lack of God. Big moments happen despite God's presence being there. People choose to make that statement, even though God is showing himself clearly in that moment. The longer I live, the more I live for those God moments when there's no human explanation for what took place, where it's just the power and God at work. Guys, this is my heart and why I feel like our our worship is so important, is because to me, in that atmosphere of worship, when I'm singing praises and hymns and songs to God, it just literally takes everything away. And I'm searching for, my my spirit is longing for those big moments in God that have happened all throughout my life. And so we long for those, don't you? You guys remember in your lives those big moments that God has had and shown you his presence so real and so strong? But what worship does is it takes us back to that. It reminds us what that feeling is like. If we allow it to, it renews us. It refreshes us that way. Can you even imagine how Gideon's story ends? Isn't it great? The unconventional battle plan gets even better. Let's attack with trumpets and jars and a handful of men. We're trained with swords, but never mind that. That's what God's saying. I'm going to totally take you out of the equation and make sure that you know this is a God moment. I think God has something He wants to sow into our lives today. This battle right now is not about you, it's about God and His glory. The frustration, the tension we find as Christians in this day and age, it's not about our beliefs and them fighting our beliefs, guys. It's about them fighting their creator. They don't want to obey his precepts. They don't want to be told that there's a different way to live. They want to have their God and their sin too. And they try to mold him in a way where they can. But the realization is this. You have to choose God. His way. You have to be faithful to God. And his way. God in this moment of Gideon's life said, Just stand aside and watch me work. Guys, there is a place you can find in life where you get to trust God, sit in that, and allow God to work. And it's amazing to sit there and watch it happen. You say, well, here's the obstacle that I'm facing, Pastor, and it seems a little bigger than what you're saying. Trust God, guys. Take it to Him. Surrender it to Him. And then say, God, if there's a step you need me to take, I'm ready to take it. But Lord, you've got to do the rest. Because me, I fall short. I can't do it all on my own. I need God to do it for me. Guys, that's the realization and understanding of who God is. Realizing we need to give it to him. And then allow him the space to do it for us. That's what Gideon did here in this story. What is God speaking to your heart today? I want you to hear this this morning. You're a mighty warrior. I'm trying to fix my eyes on every single person in this sanctuary. Because I want you to hear... You are a mighty warrior. In this battle of faith, you are a mighty warrior. God wants to use you right now. You're a mighty warrior. The question is, are we willing to take a step?